0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Prestige podcast. Today, we're talking about the movie Syriana, 2005 political thriller um, directed by. Uh, <laughs> sorry, my notes are scattered, written and directed by Stephen Goggin, who wrote Traffic and Rules of Engagement. Uh, he also uh, wrote Syriana, as, as I mentioned, in the movie Gold, that Matthew McConaughey film that I don't think either of us thought much of. Yeah, It's based on the book See No Evil by Robert Baer, and it stars, oh, my God, so many people. Uh, Kaven Novak, who you might better know as Nandor the Relentless from uh, mm-hmm. What We Do in the Shadows. He shows up very early in this movie. George Clooney, Christopher Plummer, Jeffrey Wright. We love him on Westworld. Uh, Chris Cooper, he's the old dirty bastard behind uh, the Treadstone project of... Uh, yeah, and Fuck Fish from, from uh, that Charlie Kaufman movie adaptation. <laughs> yeah, he is. It's also an American Beauty, October Sky. Just been a bunch of shit. Uh, Matt Damon is in this movie. No Matt Damon. Amanda Peet, one of my favorites. Uh, sh- you've seen her in The Whole Nine Yards, various others. Uh, what was that one movie about Saving Silverman? It was Saving Silverman, wasn't it? I think so. Um, you've got uh, who Who else? A- Alexander Sadig, yeah,
1: Dr. Julian Bashir. Bashir.
0: And Prince Doran from Game of Thrones. Boy, they never really did anything with him, did they? Tim Blake Nelson. I first saw him on what was it? Oh, uh, Brother, Where Art Thou? And he was pretty mm. memorable in the HBO run of The Watchman as yep. the new uh, what did they call that guy? Uh, Rorschach? Uh-huh. Uh, William Hurt shows up as a, I think a CIA analyst of some some sort. Um, yeah, that's all the the, the prominent people. Uh, real real big cast. Um, this was commissioned by Robert Boudreaux. I think is how I p- pronounce the name. And uh, he introduced the movie. Thusly, so I actually started my career at a law firm that represents a Saudi oil company. So the legal strand of this story really resonated me with me. I also served with the Marines in Afghanistan, so the story of the Pakistani kid felt very real. Just in terms of the dust, desperation, and the feel of the environment. But stepping back, I found this is an amazing puzzle movie that shows rather than tells. It drops you right in. Nothing makes sense at first. And you're just scrambling to fit the pieces together right up until the end. And that was back when it was new. Even now, I'm almost never seen anything that expects more from a viewer. It also gives an unbelievably nuanced view of global energy politics, the futility of any individual human trying to alter the flow of history. Not that it never happens, but the vast majority of time, it's like Damon or Clooney or the young Pakistani or even the king of, I guess, Syriana, you end up as a pawn of larger forces and the best you can do is try to protect the people you love. Of course, even that often fails. Really looking forward to your views, good or bad, on this one. Well, appreciate the commission, Robert. Uh, I saw this movie when it first came out at the th- in the theaters. And Hmm. I credit this movie as one of the things along with like the wire and a handful of other entertainments that really started challenging my more traditional conservative views about the way I viewed the world. You know, Um, I assumed when I watched this movie that this was a lot of this stuff was fabulized and, and fictionalized. And certainly there is a little bit of sexing it up and putting, and putting a Hollywood. But like when I went to kind of research this movie back in the day, I found a lot of the narrative seem like it has a lot of real world historical precedent. And this is kind of more or less how the sausage is made. Um, and I've seen it, I think, once since then. But this is probably the first. The, this is probably the only third time I've seen it in the last, you know, almost 20 years now. How about you, Jim? Have you seen Syriana before? And
1: uh, what do you think of it? I'm having a real hard time remembering if I've seen it because a couple of these scenes felt familiar um, specifically toward the end but I don't know if that is cultural osmosis or if that is me having seen the film
0: before. Some of sur- these scenes are famous, like Matt Damon yeah. telling the prince what the world the Western world thinks of him, uh, Thomas Blake mm-hmm. Nelson talking about how corruption uh, corruption is good, actually. Um, some of these things, have, yeah, you, you, they get play outside of this movie. Yeah, totally. So I,
1: I couldn't say for sure, but this felt like a first-time watch, um, and I will say, in addition, I, I agree totally with uh, Robert's assessment of this movie I think it does expect a ton from you and it also expects you I think to be in a place while you're watching it to accept that of a film because I, I had to watch this in two sessions I had a very hard time getting into it right at the beginning because it does just toss you in mm-hmm. and I I've, I've got a lot going on right now and I was not really mm-hmm. in the headspace to, to have to puzzle everything out Um, And I don't know that I'm historically or politically equipped to do so, really, because it also asks you to have a lot of background knowledge Um, and it'll kind of walk you through it, but not really. You need to know um, at least the fundamentals of a lot of this stuff. And I don't know that I do. Uh, But I did find ultimately when I sat down the second time to continue after like noping out at the 38 minute mark that I got way more into it. The The film as it progresses, you feel like, okay, I'm starting to get a handle on who this enormous cast, who these characters are, who they're working for, what their motivations are, how all of these very chopped up stories are going to line up. Um, and by the end, I felt like it was absolutely an experience worth having. Uh, this is this movie is very good and yes it does expect a lot of you um a lot from you
0: but i think it's worth it i'm constantly reminded of what uh dan carlin likes to say over on his hardcore history and his um, common sense podcast where it's like america has its ideals and it has its interests and we usually do mm-hmm. well as a nation when we pursue our ideals and we don't do so well When we nakedly pursue our interests because I kept on thinking like, man, what if like in the 40s or 50s or the 60s or the 70s or the 80s or 90s that we had kind of done the right thing or, you know, maybe let an event play out in the country and let them settle something for themselves without us putting our thumb on the scale so we could get, you know, cheaper gasoline uh, and and cheaper natural gas. Like, would we be ahead? Mm hmm. I mean, that's
1: that's certainly a possibility. It's tough, though, because this movie starts with the inciting event of the Chinese getting contracts that you kind of expect America to get and small companies kind of getting contracts you expect big companies to get. Right. There's Mm -hmm. there's a pressure there, I think, on people who are used to having power uh, and influence to hold down the other countries that are trying to come up and rise above them because if they know what it's like to be in that position, right? The U S knows after almost hundred years here of being kind of a dominant force in the world that they know what they do with that power and they don't trust other countries to do anything good in their eyes with that power. Right. Mm-hmm. So if they're not on top,
0: they could easily just get as screwed as they've been screwing other places. Well, that's, I mean, yeah, that's the whole, uh, you know, if you're worried about what happens when the one downs take over, could you, should you not maybe run your life where you're not just immiserating the one downs, but the other way is like, well, no, we'll just keep them down forever. And that way right, we we'll do right. never <laughs> have to take. So it's like, yeah, it's extremely I, complicated. I don't, I don't
1: think there's an easy answer for any of the issues that this movie raises. Um, yeah, and I kind of want to explore those here in a bit, but it's, it's it's incredibly interesting.
0: Yeah, no, I, 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 I see what you're saying. Um, you know, whenever, in whenever you find a situation where you have got like your hands on this tightly wound spring. Uh, do you want to just kind of let it go and just kind of let it fly off? Or do you want to like slowly release it? Is it your job to say how slowly the spring should release and how much damage it goes and who gets damaged? In the, like, and if you the don't, time? is
1: someone else going to say how tightly it gets wound right. and how quickly right. it
0: gets released?
1: Yeah. Right.
0: Because and- like, it's all bound together like that. You know, you're talking about the yeah. you know, Chinese yeah. uh, bidding, outbidding the contract, which is a better contract than the United States kind of like their U.S. companies like throwing a fit and then you, you hear their side of it. It's like, yeah, we've been, you know, China has missed their growth projections for the last 15 quarters because we've, they haven't been able to get the oil <laughs> that they need to grow their right. country. And we're the ones that have been doing it when we're proud of that fact that we're keeping the US hegemony going. Um, yeah, I don't know, because there's a giant, there's a ginormous cost to doing that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, that a lot of times, you know, we definitely count the pennies when it ter- current ter- comes down to, like, spending money on healthcare and, you know, uh, bailing students out of student debt and, right. you know, just, you know, but, like, when it's time to go to war to secure our interests, like, oh, what's a trillion dollars here, a trillion dollars there? Like, when no, no one counts those costs. Um, certainly yeah. no one goes back afterwards and says, like, oh, you guys said it would cost this. It actually cost ten times that. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like this is a maddening film because the other thing is <laughs> this movie was made almost 20 years ago. Uh-huh. And to the extent that you think it's a realistic reflection of the world as it was, I challenge you to name any dimension in which things have gotten better or we've gotten smarter right. in our foreign policy and our domestic policy. Have we been like, oh man, maybe we should wean ourselves off of this uh, through cleaner tech? cleaner technology is better for the environment for have we done have we really done no um i mean that's that's of the chief frustrations the older i get the more it's like oh what were the big hot button issues when i was in school high school it was gay marriage it was abortion rights it was war in the middle east it was you know <laughs> what are the hot button and and well he added terrorism uh, as soon as i got uh-huh. out of high school what are the hot sure. bitten issues of today? And it's like, Jesus, are we still doing the same Goes down that same checklist? Yeah, right. Uh, it's 20 years, 20 years. Like there's not new challenges, a new fight. Oh, and global warming, whether <laughs> that's real or something we can do about it. It's just like one of those yeah. things where you watch this movie and to the extent that it resonates and still does. It's, it's the same way rewatching The Wire um is like uh, oh geez surely baltimore is a better place 20 years on is it oh no still what almost 400 people going to be murdered in that city over drugs this year mm-hmm. oh Shit. every single leader has been <laughs> brought up on charges for corruption at one point right, or right. At, huh
1: right um, and, and the thing about it is too as we see like some progress being made on some of these issues right because i would say yes we've waited far too long to make any movement on climate change global warming but now we're starting to, right. We're looking into alternative sources of energy and that's changing the dynamic both here and abroad. But, but those, those power struggles, those issues of like, who's going to be the dominant, uh, culture, the dominant influence on the world. Those don't go away, right. They shift into other things. Now we're looking at the technology sector and saying, okay, who, how, how are those forces playing out across the globe? Um, it, both in our economies and in just our power structures in our societies, and I think that's where it's moving, right? As oil becomes less important, which it's naturally going to, now we're talking about uh, control of the Internet and artificial intelligence and and uh, digital espionage and all those sorts of things that are becoming bigger issues.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's. I, I want to talk about the art of this film too because mm-hmm. I thought that the cinematography is ex, is very effective because it's got some very beautiful landscapes. There's these stark desert landscapes, yeah. the mountains. Um, but like I noticed that they're in junction with like you see these pristine landscapes, but they're marred by these giant pipelines running through it. These massive holding tanks of for petroleum. These docks that are going in this beautiful beach and they're just ripped up for these massive super tankers to come and, and, and fill up. Uh, and it's nothing's romanticized. Like there's none of this, like Michael Bay, uh, magic hour. Everything <laughs> looks amazing. It's just very, it, it, it's there and what it is, but it's not like, you know, got those heavy yellow filters on it or whatever. Um, everything is just, it is as it is. And there's some exciting scenes, Um, But they're not like sexed up. Uh, There's some pretty there's a there's a graphic torture scene that's that's pretty hard to watch. Um, Nothing is really romanticized about this. There's the death of a you know, there's a death of a small child that uh, is pretty matter of fact. There's some gruesome stuff and it's a way to. Because otherwise this movie is just a bunch of t- people carving up the world in smoke-filled rooms, right uh-huh. but they yep. add these very human costs uh, and and uh, ki- kids not and then you see the uh, you know privileged kids that they they suffer, you see the underprivileged kids that don't have any hope and how they get co-opted into mm-hmm. uh, narratives which are you know the opposite of crazy, still crazy, um, and how their lives are spent and for what. Yeah, um, so such a futile. Like the the mm. ending
1: of some of these characters feels so futile. So futile.
0: Yeah, and it really helped me understand. It's like why would like a suicide bomber? Why would they do something like that? You know, what what what, you know, it's so hard for me to understand who I don't really have much faith. Um, but it's it's hard to understand like where you put it in yourself where like blowing yourself up would be an act of agency over your own life and a way to kind of like mm-hmm. have it make meaning and to also escape misery like senseless misery um sure. and the the way the film goes between the very heights of opulence both in the west with these wealthy businessmen and the way they live their lives and then you've got the wealthy princes and kings in the uh arab countries the way they live their lives and then just the utter squalor and nothingness that the kind mm-hmm. of like peasant classes uh you know the underclasses the existing in it's like you just i don't I mind mean, you just you just you can't have a world where there's this much velocity between the haves and the haves nots yeah. It seems like that's like that, – that, that. it always goes back to that. It's like a person can take a, a bit of deprivation if it's go, they're going through it with, a, with a, a community and they're all going through it together. It's mm-hmm. really hard when you can see the next community over and it's gated and everything's just better. And they're living longer and they're healthier – and they've got more stuff and better stuff and they got more educational opportunities and better educational opportunities for their children. Um, like it's just not a stable. It's just, it's just not stable. There's too much, there's too much. Uh, the, 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 the nature is going to seek like it, its own level, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, you, you said this film is not very romantic
1: in the way it's shot. And I agree hundred percent with that. And to the extent that anybody waxes poetic or, or, injects any sense of romance into this landscape. there is one line, someone says, like, oh, it's a I saw that field. It's a beautiful field. That's a that's a hell of a field, right? And that's a little romantic, but the romance there is not the landscape or the field itself. It's what's beneath it, right? It's what they can extract from it. It's the 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 dollars that they see, the power that they see in those fields. And that that to me is like pretty gross. Um, to ignore all the physical beauty there. And 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 D- Matt Damon later has a moment where he looks at the landscape and says, That's beautiful. You know, and that's maybe the one I would consider a shot that I would consider beautiful in this entire movie is just looking out over those dunes. Um but yeah, there there's
0: not much romance at all. And it's all right. That those scenes happen right before just, you know, uh shocking act of violence is perpetrated. <laughs> right. Right. Um yeah, it just yeah, takes all I, the romance out of it. I really like this movie. I did notice when I was reading contemporary accounts that it does feel like a lot of people echoed your thoughts of, you know, like you don't go in. the You kind of got to go in this movie to roll up your sleeves and do a little bit of work mm-hmm. because you are going to be thrown into deep end to the extent that you don't understand the like geographical or historical realities. They're not going to explain it to you. Yeah, uh, that's me. I think. I think in and that anytime I get to stuff like that, I just, I I when I get panicked, like, oh my god, I'm missing something. I I try to make myself relax because if a piece of art is successful, by the time at the the end, it will explain itself enough for you to understand yeah. its message. And I think this film does, but like, mm-hmm. yeah, there is that twenty, thirty minute mark where it's like, what the fuck is going on? I'm going from Texas to Switzerland to Saudi Arabia to uh Beirut to Washington DC to and you know, with hardly a title card to explain it. You know, it's just context. Yeah, uh, I think the one time that they put in like a location is when they go to Langley. Uh, yeah, and I'm like, why you chose to put it in here? I and thought not that's anywhere interesting too. Crazy to me because these type of movies are almost like defined by the computer font. That's like you uh-huh. know Langley, Virginia. ya Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. You know Beirut. Yeah. La- and and they just don't they don't do that for you here.
1: Mm-mm. But they choose to in that one instance, which was so confusing to me. (laughs) It's almost like I wish you would have left that one out. It would have been more consistent. Uh, Yeah. Did you know as as complicated as this film is because it has four sort of parallel storylines here, most of which, you know, will become entangled in some way at some point. Um, There was a fifth storyline entirely. That was cut from this movie. It was filmed. It starred Michelle Monaghan as a yeah. Miss America uh, contestant who was, you know, being, being brought out by a sheik. Yeah. Being courted or, or whatever uh, mm-hmm. by by one of the princes over there, I guess. Mm-hmm. Just totally cut from the movie.
0: Yep. I did because see that it was my... deemed too complicated, which I, I think that is a smart move. I yeah. And would add in a whole other fucking dimension.
1: Yeah. And what do you need another dimension in this very dimensional movie?
0: Yeah yeah no i i think there's a version of this that could be like three and a half hours long, but like yeah i think this this running pretty tight two hours uh is the is the way to go'cause it it yeah it it um and it's man it's so like this movie is contains like almost the entirety of the wolf of Wall Street's commentary in it it hmm. contains yeah. almost the you know it's like it's got powerful policy. people don't
1: ever really suffer that much consequence
0: yeah and the the fact that like you know there's something that Jeffrey Wright says that we're not looking for due diligence. We're looking for the appearance of due due diligence mm-hmm. so that we can say, ah, yes, we found the, 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 the bad people, the bad two people here and punished them. And the government's got their pound of flesh and they're going to bless that. And there's there's a lot of that in the, the Wolf of Wall Street where it's like we yeah. don't really want to eliminate corruption from Wall Street. We just want to make the average Joe think that people are paying attention. You know, uh, like when we arrest a wall street, mm-hmm. big fat cat, it's not to let the other, not to put the other fat cats on notice. No, 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 no. It's just so that your average investor doesn't just run screaming from the, the, the stock market, you know? Yeah. It doesn't see it for the, the sham that it is. Yeah. And I, like I said, I, 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 I bristle when I say it's a sh- cause I don't think it's a sham, but I, <laughs> I do think it's a uh, it's a game that is at least rigged in certain people's favor. Oh, yeah. And it's highly controlled
1: and manipulated
0: by yeah. very powerful people. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was wondering, like, that was one of the big questions going in when I started this film. I'm like, how is this? I was wondering, like, am I really going to am I going to agree with this movie's worldview still? And to the extent that I do, is it going to seem dated by the, pre, the you know, the, the ensuing, you know, 18 years or whatever? And I got to say, no, I thought that this is, you know, it's a pretty accurate look. It doesn't make any side out to be completely villainous. It doesn't make any side out to be completely virtuous, except for maybe the guy who wants to, I don't know, uh, make women full citizens. And, you know, like a, it's a Prince oh, sure. Sadiq. Uh, it seems like he's a pretty righteous dude,
1: but and, and, of course
0: and, and he's not fucking just, up with them. He's fucking them. He's shitting the money bed. So he's got to go. Well,
1: he's shitting the American money bed. That, that's the, the real, yes. the real yes, thing yes. here is he is fucking up the status quo. Um, and the people in power very much like the status quo. It, his, his ideas would lead to a more prosperous, more stable, uh, middle East or Iran. I guess he's, he's the Prince of
0: Iran, right? Mm hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah. So Ooh. is he, I, I, I did they, have, I, I'm trying to I'm think if they actually sure. identified the actual country that, that, that this all takes place. And they, they certainly mention Iran. They mentioned Syria. Do. They mentioned, yeah. but I, I think this is kind of like, you're not sure. And I could be wrong, but I okay, think let's use I, the the term Syriana as a stand in, I guess. Right. Like, Cause I guess that that refers to this official, like this, uh, policy that's called PAX Syriana. Yeah. That is this. some kind of like concept where, you know, Syria is like a linchpin, of uh, uh, uh of the, the, of our middle East interests. And like, you know, a, a peace in that region is like key to America and broadly speaking, the West's national interests, Mm-hmm. But like a piece from our perspective, not maybe from the people on the ground.
1: Yeah. So let's say the the prince here wants to reform Syriana. I'll call it that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think he's right on. It would make everyone there more prosperous and and give long term t- long term stability to a place that currently relies on oil, a, an ever dwindling resource that will eventually dry up and completely run out. Um, And so he is like right on the money when it comes to his people. He's just Mm -hmm. completely
0: off the map when it comes to America's interest. And so there's this also scene where he's trying to he's got his political supporters and they're like, you're there's going to be a coronation and it's not going to be you, dude. And he's trying to kind of like, you know, shore up his position. And he says. Of America. You've got a country that has five percent of the world's population and spends mm-hmm. more than fifty percent of the and, and has more than fifty percent of the world's military spending. That should tell you this is a ca- country whose powers of persuasion are on the decline. Because if they were yeah. persuasive and yeah. could get everyone on to their side just by the righteousness mm-hmm. of their cause, they wouldn't have to outspend everyone ten to one. Uh, sure. But we do, and. Man, the really fucked up thing about this is I'm on TikTok and, uh, I like history and I kind of like military stuff. I think it's cool, but like, oh my God, there is a branch of Americans that just worship the sheer military might of this country and like get off on the fact that like we, uh, you know, we have the biggest the amount of aircraft carriers, and the next country has like one of the things that we have twelve of. And mm-hmm. you know, we've got the best of this, the best of this, the best of this. And there's even this joke of like, you know, Russia's going to fuck around and find out why we don't have free healthcare. And I'm like, that's so fucking profoundly fucked wow. up. It reminds me of wow. like some of the members of my family who are proud of the fact that they're uneducated. Uh huh. You know or I'm they like, they struggle. Yeah, I have seen a lot of that too. Yeah, like it's like well, you're you're you've been called an ignorant dumb fuck all your life, so you might as well, you know, like like Tyrion says on Game of Thrones, you know, uh if you're if you're scared of being called a dwarf or scared of being called a bastard, just wear it like armor.
1: Yeah, it's, and it's easier like, to accept to embrace it than it is to change it, sure.
0: Yeah, but it is it is pretty fucked that <laughs> we do spend that our our priorities priorities are so fucked up and have been for generations. Uh, but yeah, just as I don't think that he doesn't understand the America. It's just <laughs> that, like, what are you going to do? Not try. You're going to just go. Oh, play a yeah, no, you're going to be you're going to be like your dad where it's like, well, we could get the best price for our people to keep to to improve our country. Or we could kowtow when the American president calls and says, hey, we need to you know, we need to lower we need to shore up our jobs in Nebraska and we need to lower the price of the pump in New York and California. and. You there's know. something
1: in the middle of this movie where he's talking about reducing the allowance of of certain people
0: the and, royal and family
1: I, I took that to mean that like they are accepting less and less for these contracts right and as the resource begins to dwindle
0: their their wealth does too i i don't know if it's well it's like the, the, one, though, of the so. one of the reasons they're able to stay on top is cuz it's like you know um, there was a lot of internal turmoil in the arab states (laughs) and then like world war Uh one and two happened and suddenly the rest of the world's like took a a, and and you know just took whatever the state of the board was at the time and like like aliens from space like okay these are the borders and nothing and these families are the ones that are going to be there at the top forever one of the ways they successfully maintained that dominance inside their own country is they pay off all the royal family, like all the people on mm-hmm. top, like they mentioned, you're going to get Europe. A, you're a prince. You're one millionth line into, into the throne. You're going to get $100,000 a month. Yeah. What happens when you have to cut there? Because eventually your oil will run out. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes pr- the price of oil is, you know, $80, $100 a barrel. Sometimes it gets down to $38 a barrel. What do you do? What, what are those? When you, when you cut those people down to 80,000 or 50,000 a month, that's still crazy, mm-hmm. but like, it feels like deprivation if you've used to a hundred thousand, you know? Oh so totally. you know, eventually they'll run out and then it's like you're like Matt Damon says, you know, what do we think? We think a hundred years ago you lived in tents in the desert and cut each other's heads off, and a hundred years after you're gonna be in the exact same spot. And I, I I thought that was really impressive when I first saw it because it's it's also these were all new thoughts to me, but the prince coming back, it's yeah, like, yeah. why don't you think we know that? Mm-hmm. And what, yeah, if, what it,
1: if it were just as easy as like us realizing that and going, yeah, we need to change something. We would have done it by now. You dumbass. Right.
0: And then you go to the boardrooms of these oils are trying to these oil execs are trying to like, well, we didn't get the contract. You know what? Fuck it. We're going to buy the, com- we're going to buy the company that did yeah. and get around it anyway. And it's like, well, you can't do that. Cause that would make you the 25th largest country in the world, you know, all by yourself as a corporation, but we can't but the, do that The way they way our lawmakers about. say you can't and we can buy certainly a
1: lawmaker if we can afford companies
0: (laughs) yeah so this goes back so 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 that like to say it's like what this prince says that Matt Damon doesn't know you will it's why this movie works so smooth when it starts getting going is because five minutes later you'll be in a boardroom where the executives are all bragging about them putting their thumbs on the scales and playing Mm -hmm. you know kingmaker literally Um, but there's that there's that uh Uh, The Tim Blake Nelson scene where he says, you know, uh, corruption is good. Yes, because without corruption, we're back to just naked power struggles like this is the game beyond the game that we get to play to know who wins and who loses. Uh, If you didn't have this corruption, you would actually have people shooting each other in the streets. Is is this not better and more civilized? But. (laughs) And there, there might be an okay. argument for that, but this has got to be at best a transition phase where we get to a place where no, actually the rules do matter. You can't mm-hmm. just like change the rules in the middle of the game to satisfy your raw naked need for power.
1: I, I guess I had a different read on that scene. Huh. I, I've long been struggling with the concept of, of <laughs> using power in ways that don't necessarily line up with our ideology as a country. Mm-hmm. Um, and and in what pursuit you do that. And I, I I look at like this zero-sum game that we're playing essentially where the the power is there to be grabbed and someone will grab it. No matter what, someone is going to grab it. Humans are by their nature, at least some of us, and all, that's, that's all it takes is some of us, very greedy and very power-hungry and willing to do whatever it takes to grab that power. Some of us. Yeah. Those people are usually the most effective at grabbing power. And so when they grab the power, um, you, you have a scenario where there's this like arms race to the moral bottom, I would say, or the ethical bottom, uh, where the person who's willing to do the worst things and the most uh, shocking things to grab the power will get the power first too, they the, the most and shocking and, yeah. and do it before the other can, guy can hold on to power yeah for right. sure um and so i i struggle with that because i look at i look around the world and i look at different various forms of government and i would say our form of government is at least better
0: um in in a lot of ways than other it's forms like churchill of said right That democracy is the worst form of government except for every other one you know? <laughs> absolutely <laughs> and i look at some of you know the power
1: the uh the powered interests around the world. And I say, I would not like to live in that system. China, for instance, I don't think that is a good way. uh, That is a good government at all, or certainly not one I would want to live under. And then I see, you know, the, the things that the moves that they make, even in this movie, right. To hold down China, to make sure that it doesn't become the dominant force in the world. And I go, well, is that worth it? Is that good? Is, is that ultimately like, and I know they're doing it for all the wrong reasons, right? These people are holding on to power for power's sake, because that's what they crave. Um, and they're not using that power to benefit necessarily the society that they're in. It's to benefit themselves. Are, are, are they, are they better or worse than the people who could grab power? If it were up for grabs, if they didn't keep their thumb on that scale. And I, I I always come back to the idea that somebody is going to have the power. It's just de facto. It's, it's, that's the state of the universe. Um, hmm. Who has it
0: is the question. This reminds me of this. I just uh, there's this and um, the, I think 300 BC there was this uh, the Polypen- Peloponnesian War. It's the one that not not over in the, the Indonesia. It's one that the Greece Macedonia uh, Spartan of uh, one and Athens, who, you know, we usually think of them as the less bellicose uh, faction of Greeks rolled up on this one island nation who is trying to stay neutral in the war between Sparta and, and Athens and Athenians said, uh, we're going to kick your shit in and there's nothing you can do about it and you can surrender now and things will be OK or you can fight us and we're going to just fuck you. Mm-hmm. And there this other team, this other faction engaged in good faiths like you guys are all these scholars and, you know, you debate and, and you have these high minded ideals and we're going to try to engage you on it. And the Athenians laughed and said, "the the the golden, real golden rule is the strong do what they can, and the weak suffer what they must." And you are the weak, hmm. and we are the strong. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it eventually, they they resisted, and every every man was put to the sword, every woman and child was sold into slavery. Mm-hmm. And then I think fifteen years later, Sparta came and kicked their shit in, and it, so. It's the way of the world. What is it? The, but is it? Does it? That is the way the world is now. Does it have to be? And how do we transition to a different? And, and also, what is the I, I kept on something really jumped out is the hypocrisy. There's a shot exterior established shot of the Justice Department, which bears the inscription. Justice is in the great interest of every man on Earth. Wherever her temple stands, there's a foundation for Social Security, general happiness and the improvement and progress of our race. We don't believe that no. we don't fucking believe that we build this temple, this monument to this concept. We don't believe it in our own country. We certainly don't believe it mm-hmm. uh, externally. But why? Why don't we believe that? I think that's true. Like when we sit about it in times of peace, like this, this is a very true statement. It is justice everywhere. Like injustice is a threat to justice everywhere. Um, so, well, yeah, how do, yeah, how do that's we get kind of the from- concept I'm trying to get
1: at. As long as there is injustice, as long as there is um, someone willing to do the dirty work of taking power, there always needs to be guardians of power. As long as a strong and, can do what they can. And those people can. are almost never benevolent. Right. 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 Because otherwise, if they were, they wouldn't have power. It's... It, it, yeah. I don't know. I, it, I I certainly don't think it's it's has to be that way, but I think yeah. it is that way. And changing it becomes such a phenomenally huge feat when when the people in power are putting their thumbs on that scale like we see in this movie right like what could Nasir have done differently in this movie
0: yeah well and there's also like we're talking about like trying to get things right in America, 300 million people, uh, 5% of the world's population. And mm-hmm. then you look at, uh, you know, one of these radical imans that's running this, you know, uh, one, one of these uh, religious institutions. And he's giving this extremely pervasive, per, not pervasive, persuasive speech about how the West has failed. Mm-hmm. You know, like you, you, this, the rot that's in our society is not economic. It's not systemic. It's spiritual. And Mm -hmm. you want a separation of church and state. We don't want a separation of church and state. We want only to be Quran. We don't want uh, fair trade agreements. There's only the Quran. And like how persuasive that feels to a person who's grown up in situations where you're working a job and now you're dismissed and it's illegal for you to be in the country. And when you go to the the place to get that figured out, you're going to get beaten mercilessly by soldiers like, why would you think? And, and if you look at the statistics, like uh, people in the West, are they happier on average than people that live in like so-called third world countries? No, absolutely not. In mm-hmm. a lot of ways, we're, we're, we're less happy. Why the fuck would anyone want to adopt our way of life and our system if it's so much better? Because it's not making us happier. It's not making us healthier. America is even starting to go backwards in terms of like uh, standards of living and, and, and just longevity. Like our average age of mm-hmm. living is rolling backwards for like the first time in a generation or two. Uh, so, like, how are we going to because in general, I think um, the more secure and comfortable people are, the more they're willing to entertain high minded ideals of oh, totally. fairness and yeah. equality, the more desperate and, uh, you know, the, the the more desperate and, and that the, the people are, the more their backs are against the wall, the more they resort to the might makes right and the weak suffer what they must. And I guess that's what's frustrating is even in prosperous Western countries, we don't acknowledge the truth of that, you know, like we're trying to like, ah, fucking, you know, if you're, if you're falling behind, fuck you, pick yourself up by your bootstraps, which is exactly the way to, you know, to the extent that like poor, ignorant, desperate people suck. It seems like we have factories that just make those people, you know? Oh, sure yeah like like it's just just as sure as you can press clay into a mold we are just stamping a whole bunch of people who are just doomed to be poor and ignorant and desperate and they're going to cause a whole bunch of problems in society maybe not to the extent of like driving a boat into an oil tanker and blowing it the fuck up but like maybe maybe if this these trends keep going
1: yeah i mean it's somewhat self-perpetuating but i i I don't know. The the other thing that stuck with me in the last few years is this idea when it comes to like the, the growing um, let's say intolerance movement in America. Um, and just the idea of like, th- there's been discussion of like, okay, what's a punching Nazi stuff, right? That's when it kind of really blew up. It's like, okay, punching Nazis yeah. is wrong. Cause you guys are supposed to be tolerant of all views. Well, right. You can't be tolerant of intolerance. Otherwise, intolerance wins every time. Right. And that's, that's kind of the, the arms paradox. race I see with these power struggles. Um, you know, if, if we were to say, okay, we're not going to be corrupt. We're going to do everything by the book. We're going to live up to our ideologies. Well, guess what? There, there are powers out there that will not do that. Mm-hmm. And they win the race to the fucking bottom. And right. they will absorb all the power. And then your ideals will vanish because... Yeah. They will be outlawed. They will be ignored. Whatever. Is there a certain amount of corruption that needs to take place in order to preserve the ideals, the ideology, the larger ideology of the society? That's my question, and I'm I'm very torn on this issue.
0: Well, like I said, I think that like corruption is, or let's say, let's say a step immoral in their-
1: actions.
0: Um, yeah, like okay, so like that. A corrupt society, I think, is better than a Game of Thrones society, okay? Okay, yeah. Where people just, you literally just slit whatever throat, and you put people to the sword, and it's just raw. Because it's at least like, a corrupt society has rules. Has Has laws. rules yeah. that people, like, that, that you can appeal, and if you have a dem- Democratic society, like, rousing enough people to an affront, and and, and have them... You know not give in to like well it's just this this shit is unjust and it doesn't really matter and nothing i can do like there's this like if you if you can kind of ride that ed you can you can change you can uh, offend people and get people incensed and outraged and that's that's how real change happens and i think that's also why you get some misguided accelerationists, where it's like you know mm, we actually yeah. want things to get a lot worse because then you'll get true systemic change um but I do think it's better, but it's got to be a transition. You know, it's got to be a transition to something better where like, what is ideally we actually what if the government just didn't give up? You know, when they find something that's wrong, what if a whole, you know, because like, right, it's like, well, we'll give you this guy and we'll give you. Oh, it's not enough. We'll give you this guy. Oh, that's enough. We'll give you that guy. And you can get him for three to five years and then they'll go on to their life and they'll have a whole bunch of money. And, you know, you can spend 10, 15, 20 years fighting this in court. And you and just to get back to the offer we're giving you right now, mm-hmm. what if we just stopped doing that? What if we did pers- But like, there's attention to that because uh, our country is founded on the principle that like the average person is better than centralized power, and you'd rather have corrupt businessmen than corrupt uh, uh, a, a, a strong uh, corrupt central government because then you're fucked. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have a central government that no longer has to care about doing the thing. Then, so it's like better to have like businessmen that you can come around and slap on their hands, and you tell people that it's not the right way. It, it, it's better, but like obviously, it's better if everyone plays by the same rules, sure. And that you eliminate the things that make people feel desperate. You know, like uh, if if you know I, that's almost hoping for. It's like another hundred, two hundred years get post scarcity to where no matter what you do, and no matter how bad you fuck up, you're always gonna have a roof over your head. Adequate health care and food in your belly. And if we can ever get to that, then like, sure, I don't know. that's great.
1: The, the, that, the that problem I come back to is always that is a less efficient system than a corrupt system, which allows for immoral actions to take place uh, in the pursuit of power, right? Yeah, but if it's like purely um, about acquiring power and yeah. wielding that power. There is, there is a gain to be had
0: in being corrupt. Yeah, just like there is, uh, um, it's not uh, democracy is not efficient in terms of like you know, um, making changes because you got to go through, you got to build consensus. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it'd be better to have uh autocratic regime that can just hey, we're yeah, gonna do course. this and we're gonna spin on a dime and we're gonna you know we're gonna be a lot more nimble and efficient. But law, but the, the thing is, is like I guess it democracy democracy changes that rapid action with like some kind of mechanism where things can't get too bad because at least fifty one percent of the population has to sign off on it. Where, uh-huh, you know, like much. a dictatorship can get real fucked. We're like 99% We're really of trying people to fucking be a miserable. Right but yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like I'm saying, it's like, but like if if you have a democracy, you've got a situation where at least 51% of the people have to be somewhat happy to continue mm. supporting it where if you don't have that, you can literally have 1% ruling over to 99. And I get it. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people, yeah, yeah. you know, on the pod, mm-hmm. that's what's happening right now. I, I, yeah, okay. I, we I, know, I'm, we know, settle that. I, I'm sympathetic <laughs> to that viewpoint too, but like also not really. 51% of people in this country are fine and will even carry the weight, uh, carry the water of the the 1% actually ruling us. Um, and that's something we got to change, but I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think it's a it's a tough perhaps impossible problem to
1: solve human nature being what it is, but I don't know. I'm hoping we're making progress. I'm hoping we'll get there eventually to where you don't need, um, power brokers doing immoral things to maintain a decent society for the
0: underclasses. Well, the other thing that makes it a little easier for this corrupt, because like I, if, if the whole world is democratic, then I think you would do a lot to curb this. Okay. Okay. Sure. Because right now there's just one side of deals where an oil exec is like, how feathered do we need to make your bed for us to just rape your country? Mm -hmm. And the prince or the king will be like, I need this many feathers. And the person's like, great. And now we're going to extract 99% of your wealth and and take it. And you're going to get
1: that's like uh, one third of the feathers we'll get from destroying your entire right
0: imagine that there's a there's a newspaper in syriana and then there's there's a free press and there's debates where they're like our our prince or who's not even a prince our our foreign minister just gave away the rights to six of our richest oil fields because it benefited their like it'd be a scandal and they'd get ousted out of office right there's like a self-correcting mechanism but right now it's a one-sided thing we have kind of sort of accountability (laughs) there's so like when we go over there it's like you know like if One of the reasons that people are not the cheat in like football games is because the other side would scream bloody murder if they're getting taken advantage of. But that doesn't happen in places like, quote unquote, Syriana, because what the what are the people People don't have a voice? Yeah. The only voice they have is blowing shit up when it gets super Mm -hmm.
1: bad. Um, And even that there aren't enough people willing to blow shit up to make it uh,
0: yet more than a cost of doing business. Right. Not yet. We'll see what happens when climate change really sets in and these countries oh, start yeah. running out of oil. But I mean, uh, there have been periods of time where this has definitely happened. Enough people have wanted to blow shit up that it changed yeah. uh, regimes for sure. Uh, and there's also that other point that's like when um, I think it's Jeffrey Wright makes the point that uh, you know you you act like our client is this businessman or that businessman or this politician, but ultimately our real client is the American people. You know and that is something very true in a democracy that again, as long as 51% of us are cool with certain things happening, then it's not going to change. Um, and just getting the the other side of that, like people are
1: less willing to put up with, with bullshit, um, when they are happy and well-fed. And Mm -hmm. I think they're also more complacent with, um, worrying yeah. about that stuff too right like yeah, they yeah, yeah. they get in a place where like eh, i look around i see everything's pretty much fine for me why do i care sure. about that
0: yeah why do i care that there's you know child slavery making my clothes and my technology because mm-hmm. i don't see it and you know hell they were substance farmers before this is a step up we went through our sweatshop shit there's or why like do i care this- about prosecuting that you know district
1: attorney right. who made a deal with somebody who did whatever i'm it's fine look around it's fine
0: right right yeah um. no it's 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 super interesting we haven't even gotten to like because again <laughs> this the scale of this movie where you know yeah. it's it ostensibly stars George Clooney he's a CIA agent who they tell us is a very good guy he does he does his job too well because he notices like hey there's this one Iranian guy who's getting away with this technology and we didn't blow his thing up and this is a stolen and I think you're supposed to understand that some of this stuff, this blowing up of oil tankers, I mean, we definitely know that the hit against the prince, who was the guy who wanted to bring real democratic change, was sanctioned by the CIA. But I think we're supposed to understand that um, that radical uh, Islamist suicide bomber outfit, I think, are at least tacitly supported by the CIA. They let them steal that thing and get away possibly they certainly didn't care that it was stolen well and and like what did george Clooney get in trouble for yeah for talking about it and for like there's this uh you know uh citizens for the liberation of iran movement that was doing the cynical thing of like oh we're gonna back this back that and like when he told the truth and it's like this is all a bunch of dog and pony bullshit there's nothing Mm -hmm. you know it's like yeah they'll let a student march down the street because tomorrow they're gonna close 50 newspapers yeah uh and he got persecuted for, you know, telling not just persecuted, he got cut loose for telling the truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and investigated, which is, you know, innocent investigated. until investigated in Washington, right? Right, right. Because the, the idea that, like, if you're a CIA agent or you're anybody at the top levels, like, if someone starts looking at what you actually did and applying the full <laughs> U.S. Code of Justice to you, you're fucked. You're fucked because yeah, everyone's called, calling the outside the, law, the lines.
1: Yeah. It's funny <sighs> you say... George Clooney is maybe the lead in this. Uh, Hey, George Clooney won an Oscar for this role actually, but as a supporting role. I I couldn't tell you who the lead is in this movie actually. Alexander Sadiq
0: and Matt Damon maybe? Uh, Alexander Sadiq and Matt Damon are the leads. Uh, I guess you'd say Matt Damon's the lead and Alexander Sadiq is the supporting actor on the Amir plotline. But you know, you got George Clooney and then you've got... uh, yeah, it's it is. This is a ensemble cast that's not telling one story. They're telling a uh. It, there's not a hero, a villain. They're just. It's one of these things where it's like kind of a borderline documentary, docudrama. Like this is just the real world. What's happening? And the real world has tons of people that are not related to each other. They're at opposite ends of the pace at the pay scale. Yeah. I, uh,
1: so this movie also won a Oscar for uh, screenplay. Original screenplay, which is kind of, I I guess that makes sense. Although it's somewhat loosely based on Robert Baer's "See No Evil" memoir mm-hmm. from 2003, so I find that a little strange. That it's an original screenplay, uh, but I do, I do think that's where the movie shines. It's in the screenplay. Uh, there's a there's a subtlety and a, a an empathy. I think even though they're not like they're not coming out and saying anything about these people or or these institutions necessarily they're just Mm -hmm. showing you the reality but i feel like there's an empathy in this movie that comes out when you watch it but isn't necessarily there on paper yeah am am i wrong about that i
0: no i think you're right
1: jeffrey wright's dad yeah, it's like in this movie, but doesn't need to be. He's not no. like it's not a focus of the movie. Then you got the you know Matt Damon and his family, and then you've got, uh, uh crap. What's what's the other the the, the Pak? Paci- I think
0: he's Pakistani. The the kid. Who, oh yeah, you know, the blows kid. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's Pak. Paci- his his dad's for Pakistan anyway.
1: Yeah, that's probably the most like blatantly empathetic uh storyline mm-hmm. in this movie, but. Yeah. I don't know. I felt like this movie had a surprising amount of heart given how
0: dry the subject matter is. and even the villains like the oil execs, it's like they're not evil. It's just their perspective is fucked. Uh, they 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 have this one guy um, played by Chris Cooper. He's an oil executive and he's complaining about the government trying to come in here and and deny them their rightful due. And he says, my granddaddy was an oil man and so was my daddy that's how i got my start it was just hard work and luck nobody handed me shit <laughs> dude you just said your and daddy and your granddaddy was oil men and uh-huh. you are complaining because the real scrappy upstarts which in this case is the chinese government and this other smaller in concern mm-hmm. uh you are out competing them not because your bids better but because you're flexing on the u.s government and because you just bought this smaller and company your traction out. and your traction your history right like but this is there will be blood all over again like that guy thought because he drug his broken ass back out of a well that he was Superman and couldn't do any uh, doing any like these these people really do ironically think that they got everything through the sweat of their brow and their hard work and that any other way is just going to lead to like madness and corruption like Mm -hmm. I can be empathetic enough to be like I understand why those guys feel that way Um and I'm always thinking about like, how do you fucking talk people out of those those, uh, you know, if uh, someone's a master of the universe type, if you're the king of Saudi Arabia, how do you how, how do you, you know, when there's all kinds of like fucking bullshit in terms of divine right to rule the royalty, and all yeah. that kind of stuff and royalty and and, and all that. But like, how, how do you how the hell do you tell people like, how, how do you how do you how do you say like, well, that's not actually true. Uh, actually, this guy digging ditches sure. is working a million times harder than you and, and no one's handing him shit either. Why is that mm-hmm. fair? Um yeah, I don't I don't know. Um but that's the problem. That's the problem. The trying to convince that the people who have got it good now that your life actually be better actually if there was more justice. Because mm-hmm. we wouldn't have to deal with uh quote unquote crazy people running jets into our buildings and running missiles into our boats and attacking our currency and getting in re- like if, if we could solve this problem of, of, of scarcity and, and people being hungry and people dying for no good reason, we would all be safer and more secure, which is kind of ultimately what we want. It should you be. Know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like I come back to the definition uh, that boy, I can't remember what movie it was um, where where they were talking. Oh, oh, it was uh rings of power actually had this line from Nori where like they're trying to decide if this meteor man is good or bad. And she says, you're good because you're here to help. You're helping. Yeah. And that's it. That's it. Like, that's the definition of good. Are you here to help people? or Are you here to help yourself? And that's yeah. the distinction.
0: Uh, we've got a bunch of uh, thoughts from Robert here, Commissioner. Would we want to get to that? Do you have yeah, some others do you want to talk let's about? Let's do it. Okay. Uh, so Robert had some random notes that he thought were interesting moments. Um, we've probably talked about a lot of the stuff, but we'll go over it real quick. The speech by Danny Dalton, the small shifty guy right in front of the Department of Energy in D.C. uh, is right up there. The greed is good. Gordon Gecko speech on my mind. It really lays out the case in a disturbingly convincing way that corruption keeps us safe and warm. Corruption is why you and I are prancing around in here instead of fighting over scraps and meat out in the streets. Corruption is why we win. Just stunningly good. The idea that so much of the movie is about one oil company eating another and becoming even more powerful. And the downstream uh, impacts of all that is just so sad and realistic. (laughs) again 20 years later
1: yeah i here's the thing i i feel that those two speeches while they have similar tones to them are night and day different because gordon gecko is just flat out wrong gordon gecko is is the worst kind of taker uh he he's there pulling value out of things that have been built by other people and then leaving those things broken on the floor whereas There is some way to justify, uh, to some degree, what the the speech that uh, Danny Dalton gives here. Yeah, Gordon Gecko is what just plain say, wrong. Do I
0: agree with that because I guess I do. And why is that? Because ultimately, in a in a free market society, uh, we say that that free market acts to select firms that are improving things, improving a customer's experience, making things cheaper right. and better. But what it actually rewards is profit. Mm-hmm. And there are different ways that you can just, just purely do profit-seeking, rent-seeking type behavior that materially makes the world a better place but generates wealth. And, and then that's there are those, the, the Gordon of the
1: world who come in, extract the wealth, and leave nothing behind.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah 100% um it's destruction versus creation and there's got it like there's there's that that's where it's like i that's where i've decided that like there's a couple places in society where i just don't think the market effect like the other thing is like how much will you pay for a medicine that'll save your life you'll pay everything you've got Uh (laughs) that's the ultimate sliding scale right how much will you pay for housing how much will you pay for food all of it all right whatever whatever and it's like maybe in some of those things the market is distorted because the demand curve is infinite.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um. and I yeah like man I was like why that's such a, that's such a mind I, to the extent that we even teach economics and, and civics in high school I don't think we do um, <laughs> nope. I can't believe Not in high school, school. like uh, the the demand curve is always like oh well, this company is making high end pins with gold embossing and this mm-hmm. company is making cheap pins and look at the curve between this and their laughter curve this and that why don't everyone say like okay now let's play it now well, let's play the, the game with insulin now let's play yep. the game with chemotherapy drugs. Now what's that demand now curve let's, look like? Now let's consider the fact of finite resources. Right. <laughs> right? Let's put that into the demand curve. Yeah, it's yeah, so even when they're teaching it, they did a pretty shitty job, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But the uh, Damon and Clooney, uh Robert continues, sacrifice their relationship with their families and they think it's for a great cause, but what is it really for? Who really understands what's going on and why? Did American people benefit from all this? Couldn't we have shifted away from fossil fuels earlier and actually been better off than we act if we were actually rational beings with a functional government? Jeffrey Wright says the client is us, the American people. Near the end, he's absolutely right. We want all of what they did to happen on some base level, so we supposedly can save fifty cents on gas. That's that's the indictment. Um, I don't think we're unique. I don't think we're uniquely evil as American people or any of the people of the West. I think that most people in our position would act the exact same way. But since we're the kind of first in society, it's like, you know, um, there was a monkey that became a man sometime 200,000 years ago and murdered their brother and realized it was wrong. And like it's incumbent on that man that used to be a monkey to start doing better. Right. So like, if we're the first to kind of like at the, at, at, at the human point, of entry to understand the, 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 the moral bankruptcy and the inherent wrongness of what we're doing, like all bitching and moaning and like, Oh, it's not just us, and it could have been anybody. And what well, but it's us. And don't we have any responsibility to make things better? Yeah. Oh, I, I, I definitely feel like I do. Um,
1: and I know making things better is going to come with pain. Like I look at the energy transition, right? There's going to be right. some pain there. It's not something you right. can do overnight and it's going to cost people jobs. They're going to have to retool. Entire industries are going to go out, um, out of fashion, uh, and go yeah. under. And we are, I think as a society set up to avoid immediate pain. I, I, I look yeah. at the the Clooney torture scene and I go, well, I would just tell them the names. I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't want my fingernails ripped out. I don't want my, sure. I don't want to be waterboarded. Slit. I don't want my head chopped off. I'll just tell them the names because it's not worth it Yeah. for the immediate pain that I know is coming. And I think as a society, that's, that's our modus operandi is avoid immediate pain, no matter the cost. Yeah. And, and it I know takes our- Herculean efforts for us to, to look beyond the next four years and say, how are we going to be if we do this? How,
0: how mm-hmm. better? How better or worse off are we going to be? Yeah. Um, there's a terrible synchronicity when Damon's son dies in Marbella, and his kindness to the prince uh, results in a death of the prince's family, which relates to the parts of the story that seem to indicate the family is the only thing we really can try to save. Damon going home at the end. Jeffrey right with his father. This is like where I talk about David Simon, you know, his ultimate thing is like, Mm -hmm. you can't trust systems. You can only kind of make individual actions to help other individuals. Like, I think it's true, but also it can't be the whole truth because if that's the case, then we'll never, ever get better in a holistic sense. You know, we have to be able to at some point set up systems that are able to do better because there's only so much you can accomplish as an individual
1: yeah uh, and I, I read some of that stuff with Damon going on at the end as being like it's just not worth it it's just not worth it the pursuit of power and money is just not worth it personally uh,
0: he says Dean Keating uh, I think it's actually Whiting the guy that was played by Christopher Clum- uh, Plummer the old uh-huh. lawyer is the only the only player that sees all the angles the way he talks to the prince in his own boat is bracing he goes from a doddering old man to a cold eyed killer Makes that kid a king right then and there. Also, the way he used his forty five, you know, he's going through the house, and you know, he's he's going to take care of business. Uh, Uh And the mention of his embassy bombing in Lebanon, I wonder if he could have been a marine before he was a lawyer. Um, I don't know. They they, he's an interesting character because I honestly couldn't tell you what the fuck he is. Is he a government lobbyist? Is he an oil executive? He says he's an old lawyer. He's like Jeffrey Wright's, like for. Um, is unclear to me because it does seem like he was the most powerful man in every room he was in.
1: Yeah. He, he struck me as like a fixer for very powerful people. Um, and he runs a law firm as a, as a
0: tool to that end. Yeah. There's some fascinating background information, uh, in that scene where they, they talk about the OG Rockefeller with Teddy Roosevelt and Roosevelt parenthetically famous for loving nature and natural parks is following the Rockefeller's tune and kissing his ass. And the guy relates it to the university of Chicago, which is the source of the efficient markets theory. This movie hmm. showing what that really means, really strong way of connecting different pieces of history. Uh, yeah, honestly, I don't even get all that. Uh, so
1: interesting. yeah, I, I don't, I don't quite see the connection there, but okay. Yeah. It, this is
0: where, this is where my lack of history and knowledge, my ignorance I think it's, it's, like so, comes so, into. So Teddy is one of those guys who established it and he was all about conserving nature. um, you know where but rockefeller all about you know extracting value and profits and mm-hmm. how uh you know that that even teddy the guy who of his day was the biggest environmental tree hugger like danced to rockefeller's tune gotcha uh, i know you did Chicago win- was
1: a big business school
0: right 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 Uh, Damon's talk with the prince while he's practicing falconry. We think 100 years ago, you're living in tents out here in the desert, and that's where it'd be in another 100 years. Uh, And the insults for how much the life of the sun is worth. Then the prince explaining that they actually know exactly what they should do, but the West prevents them Mm -hmm. because I wouldn't 100% support the goal of cheap oil. It's a really good combination of human pain and geopolitical discussion. I did like that. I like that where you first think that the the prince doesn't understand and then progressive through the film, you realize like this guy's highly educated. He, you know, understands economics, but at every turn, he's thwarted by the corruption in his own government, supported by the corruption in ours. And what a frustrating thing, because like it's it's one thing for like, uh, you know, uh Robert baron oil emirate to be corrupt but you've got this country who's got on its justice building this inscription about how great justice is and how we should pursue it everywhere it's like mm-hmm. the fuck the fuck We, I'm, I'm the only one that's trying to do this thing and as soon as I do suddenly I'm a terrorist and because yeah. I'm doing business with China I'm a communist like what the fuck mm-hmm it's amazing how impressive the mullah is at talking about the failures of the West and how you can see Muslims can hate the devastation of capitalism on their culture and pride. And in the end, you're so sad for the misguided kid. Or is he misguided? By then, it's even, it's hard to tell. Yeah, like what's what is that kid from Afghan or I'm sorry, Pakistan? What is his reward for doing the right thing? What is his reward for standing in line and keeping his mouth shut and maybe get shipped off to another Like so he his he can die penniless like his father separated mm-hmm. from his wife you know for years maybe forever can't even remember what is like the what what, it, what is like to live in your homeland like what what and then you know that's when people drop out of society you know when it's like oh if i play by the rules i still get fucked over well i'm gonna stop yeah. playing by the rules absolutely and they go into crime they go into terrorism they just start busting shit up instead of building things up because why mm-hmm. why would they uh, so many passing references that you'd have to know to history to follow. Masa, uh, Masada, Masadig mentioned by Damon on steps was the reformist prime minister of Iran killed by CIA proxies who was never even explained in the movie, uh, mm. the distinction between Farsi versus Arabic. Mm. Yeah. Again, there's a lot of stuff in there that even I did not pick up. It didn't, you know, it's a commission podcast. We don't usually do a lot of heavy research into them, but. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of, you know, Easter eggs in here, if you want to call it that. Um, and this is just, again, this is just the shit that we've done in this one small section of the of the world. You know, mm-hmm. like, start looking into Central and Southern America. Start looking into Asia. Asia. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. Yeah, there's a lot of fucking bodies buried out there. Uh, Clooney and Masawi are both soldiers. Both believe in their side, but we traditionally call Masawi a terrorist and uh, Clooney a patriot. Except mm-hmm. for Clooney, got branded by a ter- as a ter- as a <laughs> yeah. as a rogue agent by his own government. So because he was too much of a patriot. Yeah, yeah, no, but uh, yeah, we call really extraordinarily loyal service by other people in their foreign governments if they're against our interests. Those are terrorists. Those are communists. Those are
1: mm-hmm. you know
0: imperialists. And and we're just we're just good, 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 good clean folk in this country. Sure ah well that was an interesting commission um i like i said i i i I, is always interesting going back and revisiting things that i thought had a big impact in my life and see if they you know things uh if if i've changed my mind about it or if things have gotten any better you know it'd be be nice to think that 20 years hence, if we go back and watch in syriana it'll start to feel a little dated but, uh, you know, a lot of that's going to be on us and the decisions we make. Because, like you said, as long as 51% of us are good with the status quo, or <laughs> increasingly in a lot of cases, less than 40, 51% of us, um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, uh, things, things aren't going to change. And if we the, like to tell ourselves we're the most powerful, best country in the world, if we're not capable of making change, what the fuck? Uh, thanks, Robert, for commissioning this podcast. I hope you're happy with how it turned out. Uh, if you would like to make Jim and I watch anything that you want and tell you what you think about it, it's an easy process. Go to support.baldmove.com, click on the commission the podcast link, and you put your money down. We'll reach out and explain the rest of the process and, 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 and uh, help, you, help you along with the project. So Thanks, Robert, once again for commissioning this. I uh, hope you guys have enjoyed listening to it. We'll be back soon with another prestige podcast or another commission podcast. Maybe like this one will be both. Until then, I'm Aaron and I'm Jim. See ya.